Welcome to Two Peas in a Podcast, where two very different women have the same mission. Get ready for rants, venting, laughter, truth bombs, and fun facts with your hosts, Felicia Soria and Laura Morell. Welcome to episode three with Laura and Felicia and Two Peas in a Potty. So today we are going to talk about I'm going to call it a controversial topic, to track or not to track? That is the question. Controversial, (laughs) that's for sure. And I actually think that both you and I might have a bit of a different view on this one. Interesting because yeah. I find people have an assumption of what my coaching style is with this. So I'll be okay. curious to know what you think that I would choose. <laughs> really curious. Well, I think that you, well, it's interesting because we've obviously written some notes, but I saw a note about having, um, earning the right to track. Yeah. And so I feel like that's something well, obviously, we haven't spoken about this because clearly we're having this assumption topic. <laughs> but um, I feel like that's something that you um, work through with your clients, that they then have to obviously earn that right to track. And by that, we obviously don't mean it in a negative way. It's learning to eat first. Would that be right to say? Yes and no. <laughs> so, yes. Okay, the assumption, and I've had so many people reach out to me about this because they are surprised when I say I do get my girls to track, but it's person dependent. So yes, definitely they have to earn the right, but it really depends where they're at at the moment with Mm -hmm. nutrition, food, relationship with food is a huge one. So for example, let's have client A. Client A has a eating disorder. Let's say that is binge eating, which is really, really common. I would say 99%. That's a really bad statistic. (laughs) I would say 85% of my clients suffer from binge eating. So for them, first of all, understanding if they've tracked before and is it a trigger? And then second of all, a big contributor to uh, binge eating is under eating and not enough protein. So then tracking is essential. So do I get my girls to track? They do have to earn it. And it really is person dependent where their mindset is at in terms of tracking. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I get that. So I, I'm, I guess I want to say similar, but probably not the same where I like to get them to track right up. I like to understand, but I like to go five to seven days of getting them to track as they were. Because don't change anything because it's funny because the minute you like track food, they're like, oh, I better eat healthy. And it's like, well, that's not really going to help us solve the equation because we need to know what you're doing wrong to build on what we can do, right? So I like them to track for five to seven days and do whatever they would normally do so I can get an overview of what they are consuming um, in food purposes. But then obviously see what the average amount of calories and macros are that they are eating. And then kind of work that off what their goals are and where we're working towards. But I think that it's really important, like you said, is to note that it's person dependent because you do have to take into account if they do have an ED or eating or food, you know, problems Mm. um, and what their requirements are. And then from there, obviously, adjust as you see fit. But it's interesting because I don't know about you, but I know a lot of my clients in media like track food. It's such a phobia. And I'd love to discuss this fear phobia that goes on. 
100%. I think, okay, the phobia, I would say, is before I jump into the phobias, 100% agree. I think a food diary at the start is so essential. I get all my girls to do that too because as a coach, it's really important to understand where your clients are at at the moment. So, yeah, I love that as well. In terms of phobias, okay, (laughs) the biggest one is it takes time and it's hard work. It's not a phobia, but it's the biggest objection. And that goes back to our last episode, victim mentality, being lazy. So if anyone is listening to this potty and going, oh, I hate tracking, it takes too much time or it's just not for me, I'm sorry to say, but that's falling under the victim mentality. And it's just about, okay, cool, addressing that is a victim mentality and maybe I'm going to, after listening to this podcast, Try and give it a go. So that's the first objection, I would say. The second, this is more a phobia, the accountability of it. So, oh, I've just had a Big Mac and a thick shake. I don't know what you get at Mac and you can get a thick shake, but (laughs) a Big Mac and a thick shake. Yeah. And a lot of the time people don't want to take ownership of what they've eaten, so they decide not to track it. But again, there's no point only tracking the healthy and not tracking the unhealthy. Because the result's never going to weigh out. So it doesn't make sense. Oh, even like a little bit of this and a little bit of that, all of that add up. So if you are, for example, on a fat loss journey, and again, first, my clients who come to me, the first thing they do is not fat loss at all. But if you are on a fat loss journey and you're only tracking, you're not tracking everything that's going in your mouth, you can easily go into a surplus. So it's so important to track every little thing so you can take ownership of, cool, I'm actually eating above my maintenance. Now, if we look at energy balance, maintenance is how much you eat to maintain your body. Surplus is eating more than your body requires, so you're putting on weight, and deficit is eating less, therefore losing weight. So, for example, having two, I'm trying to think of an example now, two Ferrero shares, that could easily account to maybe 200 calories. Now, if we do that every single day, times that by seven is... 1,400 calories. (laughs) (laughs) Quick math there. That was not going to be answered by me. (laughs) So that's easily 1,400 calories extra plus if there's any additional little things you're not tracking as well. And that could quite easily put you into a surplus. So that's the second thing. Um, what else do you think would be sort of a phobia? On that one, like I think it's really important for people to, like you said, it's okay. You can have your bloody Ferrero shares if you want to have it. You can have your Big Mac and your Thick Shake. I think we need to normalise that it's okay for people to um, eat the foods that they actually enjoy. But when you choose to eat those foods, understand that those energy requirements may not serve your goal or the purpose that you're working towards. That doesn't mean you can't have it and it doesn't mean you should feel guilty. It just means that, um, you know, it may take you a little bit longer to get to your end goal if you choose to have those um, options in your food. Like, and I think it's really important important like so many people get worked up and I was talking about this today it's like they get worked up when they're like I'm going on a health kick and it's like all I can eat is chicken and broccoli and it's like no 
You just need to learn that you can pretty much eat whatever you want, but understanding that energy balance and that nutrient density compared to, you know, that volume food, the higher protein, the high fat, the, you know, processed carbs, you know, like just understanding everything and then you can kind of make better choices. I mean, that's just how I feel. Like don't be guilty for your food choices, but own them. Like if you choose to eat it, own it. Two things on that. Firstly, um, intuition, intuitive eating versus educational eating. And this is a hot topic we'll probably do another podcast on. Mm. But if I, if you don't understand how to eat anymore, if you don't know how to listen to your hunger cues because you're so chronically used to dieting and pushing past that hunger, or you've got poor sleep, you're eating bad food already, your hunger hormones are going to be off. You're probably going to be hungrier and not have as much satiety. So you're probably going to want to eat more food. Now, if I was to say intuitively eat, you're probably going to eat a lot more than your body requires because your hunger hormones aren't regulated. Mm. And also because you're not getting quality sleep and your, your food might be you know higher in not the great carbohydrates, so triggering off your blood sugar, you're most likely going to want more Um, things to give you quick energy. Um, It's going to spike your blood sugar and that's how we easily get blood sugar management issues. So if that is happening, you're probably not going to make the best choices. But if you learn how to eat properly, then once in a while, it's okay to have those foods. And like you said, understand it's not bad food. It's not nutritionally dense and it's not going to serve you and your goals it's just generally a quick burn that's all it is most of the time like they're going to be a quick burn food but the more we have it the more inflammation it's going to cause so that's why we do want to limit that as much as possible and then the other thing i was going to say because you did mention about having guilt and shame around food did you know i'm getting really excited here fun fact here we go fun fact laura (laughs) (laughs) The way you see food or feel about food before you eat it, eat, eat it, eat it, changes your digestion on how you metabolize that food. No way. That's a cool fun fact. So, for example, if I have a burger and I'm looking at that burger thinking, oh, my God, this burger is going to make me fat. I shouldn't be eating it. I'm cheating and I'm using the, what are they called? again the bunny ears quotations quotations. (laughs) the you know the burger it's going to make me fat then what happens is that image of that burger firstly goes to the high part of the brain it then signals to the lower part of the brain the limbic system and then sorry the hypothalamus and then it actually sends chemicals to your body so for example it's gone to the lower part and it's like oh this is gonna make me fat now that thought is a negative thought. Negative thoughts actually produce adrenaline and cortisol. And the body can't tell the difference between the thought and being chased by a tiger. So even if you're thinking, oh my God, that food's going to make me fat, you might as well be chased by a tiger. (laughs) And if you're being chased by a tiger, I guarantee you, your body, if you have two choices, you've got a burger in your hand and there's a tiger after you, your body is not going to choose the burger. So what happens is blood flow then goes to your arms and legs to prepare mm. for the fight or to run away. Your body is flooded with cortisol and adrenaline. Your digestion down regulates. 
And then what happens is you don't actually get satiety. So you don't get full. And this is why a lot of the time um, binge eating is a huge one because we're looking at the foods quite negatively and we're not getting satiety from it. So one, you don't get satiety. Two, your digestion downregulates. So the more sluggish your digestion is and the more that food sits in, in your um, gastric tract or your guts, the more it ferments, the more it causes damage to the gut because it actually starts decreasing the good bacteria. And if we continue, say, 10 to 20 years of having this negative association with food, that's where we do get, you know, weight gain and gut health issues and things like that. Versus if I'm going to look at this burger and be like, you know what, 99% of my week has been amazing. I can't wait for this burger. You are going to digest it a lot better it's going to metabolize better you will get the nutrients from it as well and it's going to be a lot better for your fat loss journey or your health journey as well so i hope that makes yeah. sense yeah 100 percent. on that like what you just mentioned if i eat well all week and then i have you know a higher calorie meal i think it's real. like one thing that i love to teach is that you should still go out. You should still have a night out or, you know, a meal out or takeaway or whatever it is, whether it be with your partner or your friends. And I just think it's really um, good to note that you should still track that in, but you should actually track that the beginning of your day. I don't know about you, but I look at menus for wherever I'm going and I pre-plan what I'm going to order. So I know what my consumption is. And I guess you can go one of two ways. You can kind of go rogue. And just have that as a non-tracked meal. Mm -hmm. And I think that that's fine. You could absolutely do that. It takes away that kind of stress and that stigma for you and you enjoy yourself. Fine. For me, I like to be a little bit more uh, conscious. And if I go over, I go over, but I know what I'm consuming. Mm -hmm. And I like to track that at the beginning of the day so I know what it is I'm setting myself up or adding in some drinks, whatever it is, and then plan my day around that. And I think that the more that you become um, confident in tracking food, the more that this just becomes kind of part of your norm and that you manage your meals out and your meals at home so that you don't have to have that guilt feeling or you don't have to be over your calories, you don't have to be gaining weight or whatever your goal is, and you can still stay on track. Like you don't have to have one or the other. You can actually have both. Yeah. And I think that's a huge thing. And this is, this, this actually goes to the all or nothing mentality, which again, we will do a podcast on that. That's <laughs> itself. But for today's sake, it comes down to the all or nothing mentality. So I had a client that started with me on Monday and she actually on Sunday messaged me saying, oh, I've got an anniversary and I've got um, two social events this week. Should I stay like hold off for another week before I start? And that's probably a really good example of where everyone's mindset is at because very, very, very common because what happens is we're waiting for that perfect moment to start. But it's like you need to learn because in life, you're never going to have periods of not going out and eating. So your lifestyle, like whatever you're trying to do in health, it has to work for your lifestyle now. So that means learning how to eat when you go out, having a look at the menu. And it's really interesting because um, I did this thing with my clients where it was like um, I put a couple of menu options and I got them to choose what they think is the healthiest. 
However, again, this is why education is key because what you think, and we'll talk about perception in a moment, what you think is healthy isn't necessarily the healthiest or best thing on the on the menu anyway. Yeah. So whether you go for something healthy or something not as healthy, it's still about learning how to read the menu and learning how to track when you're out as well is a huge yeah. thing. Yeah. I think the thing is also like I went to my mum's for dinner last night. So I tracked in what she told me we were having. The only problem is when you're tracking based on someone else's cooking, you've got no idea what they're actually putting in. Like mm-hmm. we're talking about a wog mama. How much oil did she use? How much cheese did she use in their lasagna? Like even though I'm measuring a certain amount of volume, I don't know how many layers of pasta is in there. How Yeah, like I said, how much cheese is in there? Yeah. And then we had schnitzels and it's like so obviously you track in the crumb and you track in the protein, but it's like how much oil is on that? You don't know. So it's like you can only go a little bit, you can only go blind in that. Like you can only make assumptions and you'll never get it right. Like I can guarantee when you eat out, you will never get it right because you never know how something is being prepared unless you do it yourself. Absolutely. And on average, you will be out 300 calories per meal. So this is why if we do have a fat loss goal, I always, I realize when I talk, I always say we, like, my clients I'm like okay so we need to take this supplement like I'm in their body so when I say we I'm referring to you (laughs) we when we eat out it's if you're eating out more often than not say you're eating five six meals out per week now you're gonna use your maths again if that's six meals per week and that's 300 calories out per meal that's an extra oh my god come on three (laughs) by six is six twelve eighteen 1800? 1800? Let's okay. go with 1800. Let's go with lock in 1800. <laughs> <laughs> so that could be an a underestimation of 1800 calories, which again could put you over your maintenance and surplus. So yeah. in terms of the fat loss phase or what you're trying to do, it might not be the most suitable thing. So eating out less right. is recommended. But like you, like I remember when I was um I lived with mum for six weeks not too long ago and I was tracking all her recipes. <sighs> Look, she, <laughs> I love her so much. You can never get it right. You no, just can't. Like, oh, no, but I use the healthy sources. I was like, oh, thanks, mum. Do you, do you know how much of the sauce? Oh, about this much. And she shows me, like, how much with her hands. I'm like, oh, thanks, mum, that helps. And in my head I'm like, okay, this is just going to be a wild guess. <laughs> That's the best I'm going to get exactly. from that, that topic. <laughs> and, and, you know, like, shit, you've got to live life. Like, we don't, you know, thankfully now we've learned so we're not chicken and broccoli or white fish and asparagus, which is my torment of my first competition. Or bringing um, to the restaurant. <laughs> oh, yeah, where I used to bring boiled eggs when I'd meet up with my girlfriends for breakfast and just have a black coffee. Like, what the hell? No. Oh, you can still have your, you know, slice of bread with some eggs and, like, bacon. You just track in the amount. But, like, the more you learn, the more you know. Yeah. And the more you know, the more you can control. And that's just how it is. Like we, we've got it, we've got such a stigma on food and it's like, let it go, but yeah. just learn how to eat out or learn how to eat at home. And maybe we need to do some cooking videos. Although are you you love do you like cooking? I love cooking. So I'm you huge love. on cooking. Before fun fact, before I started my business. 
business as a health coach, I was actually going to open up an online pantry. Love it. <laughs> like healthy alternatives and then have all these recipe books so yeah i'm huge on. i don't know laura but is that what we're gonna do on the side since we both love cooking? you know you'd never know it could be another little side on to two peas and, a and like i love cooking and i'm like you i like to make a healthier alternative of something because i love sweets like I love my wagalina treats and sweets and I like eating pasta and I love pizza, but I just like to be able to find a way to incorporate it into my life where I can enjoy it without kind of fully affecting my work that I do. Like, you know, we train hard in the gym. We focus on our steps. We focus on our sleep. We focus on the nutrition during the week. We focus on making sure we have a happy period. And it's like the last thing you want to constantly do is keep dining out and being like, I'm not seeing those results. 100%. Just not, you know. It's so nice to learn how to cook and we've got so many resources. And that's one thing that I love to teach my clients is like Google. Yep. Taste made. Uh, you know, any recipes. Just try them. Yeah. And even my clients, each month they get a recipe book, which is all gluten-free. So there's never-ending options of recipes for them. And like, let's just go through our staples that we eat. Now, on my staples during the week, it'll be healthy chicken and all of everything I eat is gluten-free. Healthy chicken schnitzels is on the dish with like a sweet chili sauce. And then we've got, I love my stir fries. I love homemade burgers and um, sweet potato chips. I love, there's just so many good healthy alternatives. I love my gluten-free pasta. I love just an amazing piece of steak. Like there's so many good, and these are my staples. They take me 10 to 15 minutes in the kitchen. You bulk cook it all, fried rices, things like that. So super, super easy. Um, And like going back to, to track or not to track, like there's a couple of things here. Firstly, you need to be educated. We don't understand food. We don't understand what macros are and 99% of my clientele who come to me don't actually understand why we need protein, fats and carbs. And this is why we have such a crazy diet culture epidemic where it's like removing a whole macronutrient, either we're going to go vegetarian to lose weight or we're going to cut out carbohydrates to lose weight or I can't eat fats because that's going to raise my cholesterol. So we cut out fats. Like we're in such a diet culture yeah. and we don't actually know why we actually need protein fats and carbs and how much because every person's body is going to be different and how you feel will, di- will be dictated by the amounts of protein fats and carbs so in a sense you do have to a bit of trial and error to see what works yeah. for you but the biggest thing is your perception of health can be so wrong so because we've dieted for so long I have so many girls when they start with me saying, oh, I eat so healthy. And then I get them to do their food diary. And it's like boiled eggs for breakfast. Lunch will be a tuna salad. And then dinner might be a piece of chicken and some veggies. So they're lucky to get 1,000 calories a day. But they're convinced they're eating a lot because they might have a big salad, but no dressing. Or they're just convinced their perception of health is quite distorted because of chronic dieting so the biggest thing when it comes to track or not to track and this is how i express to my clients i don't want you tracking forever but you need to invest into tracking to learn how many calories your body needs 
making sure you're getting those calories, but more importantly, making sure you are able to hit your protein goals, your fat goals, and your carbohydrate yep. Couldn't agree more with that one. Absolutely. Like, I'm sure you're like me. You could get, say, like an avocado and then you can cut it open, scoop it out and go, mm, this is probably around, I don't know, I don't know if you do this, but I do like a guessing game with my mum. I'm like, you're about 83. Yeah. And then you do it and then you test it and it's like 82 and you're like, yes. And it's, you know, because it's like, yes, I won with myself. No one's competing with me. But that that's what we mean by learning. You start to learn the values and the amounts. So you start to go, oh, I'm actually, oh, God, I'm hungry. And then you remember, oh, I actually didn't eat that much today. I just had like egg whites. And it's like, okay, so I just had protein. I had no fat in there. I didn't use any oil. It's like, cool. So the protein aspect is good, but we're not really balancing that whole meal out. 100%. And then what's good about that, if you have that education, you know having fats in your meals is more satiating. Having protein in your meals is more satiating. Having protein in your meals burns more calories. So mm. it's setting yourself up for success. So again, if we go back to the question to, tra- to track or not to track, when not to track, because we've spoken about all the good things about yeah. track. When not to track. Personally, I wouldn't let someone track if it's debilitating to them, if it's right. getting them in a really negative headspace because they can't get to their goals or they get obsessive about the numbers and track to the gram. But I never get my girls to ever track to the gram. I always work within ranges because I want to have that flexibility. So sometimes for some people, if they have that background of obsessive compulsive, it can turn too obsessive and they, you know, won't go over in anything or if they've gone over days ruined where like, the body always works on a larger scale. And I think this is really important to know as well. So with my girls, everyone works on a weekly average. If they've got calories and macros, they're not going to have the same hunger every single day. For example, I hurt my back a couple of weeks ago, my first real injury. I was such a winner. <laughs> um, but my appetite went really down because I wasn't burning as many calories my hunger wasn't there. So I went from eating around 3-1 down to about maybe 1,900, 2,000, which is a, That's a big jump difference. Yeah, but my appetite just wasn't there. So yeah. I wasn't hitting my calories most days. But for example, if we have someone, but again, I'm not tracking for a particular reason at the moment, but if you're on a health goal or a fat loss phase, let's go with a fat loss phase and you went out for dinner and you went over, cool. You can take it out from the day after or the day before. Mm. Or let's say you do a really big leg session. You're extra hungry today. Have some more calories. Maybe you have an extra 200, 300 calories. And then you can take out 100 from three days afterwards. Mm. So that way you're still hitting a weekly average and you have flexibility and it minimizes the risk of that all or nothing. Today's ruined. Oh my God. You know what? The whole day, the whole week's ruined. I'm going to start Monday. Yeah, correct. Couldn't agree more. There's definitely pros and cons to both. um, And I think it's really personal and individual on one, if you're doing it by yourself, but two, when you're working with a coach. And I think it's really important to note that if you are working with a coach and you're not in a good mindset, but they're still forcing that, then I would look for a coach that actually respects where you are in life. 
Absolutely. Could not agree more. And on that note, we're going to head off. Thank you for joining us and we look forward to the next episode. See you guys. <laughs>